I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, the family's getting in the car. We're, I think we were on our way back to church for the evening service. We got the kids buckled in, and I got in and I look over, and I've seen moms pull some crazy things out of their purses. It's kind of like Mary Poppins' bag, where they have just about anything you could imagine in their purse. But she, out of nowhere, came an ice cream bar. I don't know how that stayed in purse, but I looked over and I was... And I was about to say, I started saying, hey, like, where'd you get an ice cream bar? And she, before I could say anything, she said, shh, because she knew that I was going to say that she had an ice cream bar, and the kids couldn't see it in the back. So she said if I kept my mouth shut that she would share it with me. <laughs> so I took the bribe, because <laughs> every mother knows how exceedingly rare it is to be able to enjoy a treat when you have kids around because you either you don't get any of it or you get a one bite or that kind of a thing. <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of moms out there who would love the chance to finish their own drink without getting floaters or, or backwash from a snotty two-year-old or, or actually be able to eat a whole candy bar alone. I'm sure I don't know how many moms have snuck away and hid in a closet or a bathroom so they could just have that all to themselves for one time and and mothers, I think, are great evidence that God's creation is real. God has created something special. When the kitchen utensils go missing, she knows she has to go outside and look in the sandbox when, when her, her floors only stay clean until nap time is over. She's not sure she even wants to know what the vacuum just sucked up. And, and, but all those things are just par for the course of the mission that mothers have to somehow magically turn to helpless little babies into intelligent, capable, and moral adults. And that's, I mean, if you look at that from start to finish, it's impossible. It's got to have something. It's got to have God involved. It's, there's got to be something that God puts into mothers to be able to make that happen. The past couple of weeks we've been talking about storing up treasure in heaven, about looking forward to what we're, to eternity and how we can invest our lives into God's kingdom. And, and a godly mother dedicates her whole life to building treasure in heaven. And that treasure is the, is the hearts and souls of her children. She is, is, invests herself into growing God's kingdom by, by teaching children and raising children because there, there is no more clear-cut way to make disciples than to teach your own kids to follow the Lord. I mean, that, that's straightforward. If you want to make disciples, like Jesus said, make disciples, probably the, the simplest way Maybe not the easiest way, but the most clear-cut way is to do your own kids right there in your own household. So moms have a way of dealing with dirty diapers and, and throw-up and endless crying that nobody else does, that, that God has put something in there to be able to manage through that. It's as if God gives faithful moms, like that video said, a, a special vision, a special blessing when it comes to being able to selflessly pour out your heart into your children. And, and so it's, it's definitely an investment that takes a lot of sacrifice, like all investments do. All investments take some sort of sacrifice, and, and raising kids is, is a big one. But it's also one that can pay off in some of the most cherished ways that imaginable. Of course, Mother's Day isn't always great for everybody. We just heard a story of someone who just lost their mom yesterday. And I have, from now on, that person is going to remember Mother's Day in a different light. And, and there are some people who have had bad experiences as moms or with their moms where there's been 
troubles or, or relationship problems or you know separation. Some mothers lose their children to death or, or some other tragedy. I mean, there's things that kids get kidnapped, and I mean, there are terrible stories that that come out that that forever leave Mother's Day not a fun holiday. And some people yearn to to become moms, but they remain childless. And so every Mother's Day is a reminder that they're not they don't have the the their heart's desire, and it's not always a happy story. However, God can redeem even the worst of situations, and He can bring good out of the most tragic scenarios most of you have already heard my own story and my wife's years of childlessness childlessness when we prayed and got nothing and prayed and got nothing and prayed and got nothing and you also know that that was a situation that god turned around in a wonderful way we have two awesome kids and one more on the way and so god does answer prayers and god does redeem horrible situations but this morning i want to thought i want to share a story about a woman in the Bible who went through a very similar situation, the same kind of thing. And her name is Hannah, and she was a woman of God. And her life, as you read her about her story in the Bible in First Samuel, her life paints a picture of faith that all mothers can learn from. We first meet Hannah in the Bible, and she's unable to have children. She's infertile, and she can't have kids. The, the, the Scripture says that God had closed her womb. So it's like God actually had an active part in keeping her from, or you know, at least not allowing her to have kids, but maybe even keeping her from having kids, at least temporarily. And, and right away you wonder, well, what has she done wrong? Why would God do this? After all, the Bible says children are a blessing from the Lord. So if you've got a godly woman, a faithful woman, why wouldn't God bless that woman with children? And so, so it would seem to make sense that if God chooses to withhold that blessing, it must be because you're doing something wrong. I mean, that would be what a lot of people would, would go to right away. But Plus, when you hear about, there's one other time when God purposely prevents women from having children, when He closes up a bunch of wombs. And, it's, and it is clearly a punishment when it's used. That's, you've probably heard the story. It's in Genesis 20. When Abraham is going through the country of Gerar, and he tells his wife Sarah, the, the, peop, the king here will kill me if he finds out that you're my wife and he'll steal you so you tell people that you're my sister and not my wife which is kind of a weird story in itself but but the the king there his name was abimelech and he didn't have any qualms about killing husbands to steal their wives to add to his harem even though he probably had hundreds of of wives in his harem if he saw a pretty lady that he wanted and she was already married he'd just kill the husband and take her and so Abraham's wife was a real head turner. I mean, the Bible says she was a, a nice looking lady. And, and so Abraham really didn't want to be killed. And so he said, well, you are technically my half sister. So just tell people you're my sister instead of my wife and, and we should be fine. So he passed off Sarah, Sarah as his sister. Ironically, he loses his wife anyway, because the king looks at her and says, wow, I want her. So she's her sister. So I'm going to take her like any government official who you know, they just take what they want through the threat of force. So Abimelech just took Sarah and added her to his harem. Fortunately, God was looking out for Abraham and Sarah, as God does. And he made sure that Sarah was not violated. She was living in his harem for a while. And it doesn't say how many wives he had, probably a whole mess of them. It was pretty common for kings and rulers, for powerful ones, to have a whole mess of wives who lived in a harem, who, you know, were separated. They would usually have eunuchs, men who couldn't 
do anything with the women to take care of them. And they lived in a separate place, secure and safe from any other men. And once in a while, the king would pick out somebody to spend the night with. And so they, they wouldn't all, you know, sometimes you could, if you had lots and lots of wives, there might be some that you never had any intercourse with. And so that was the, the life of a harem. And so Sarah was living in the harem for a while, but God had uh, made sure that she wasn't introduced to the king. And so God had closed, all, as, a, as a threat, as a warning, God closed the wombs of all the women in the harem. So we know that Sarah was living there long enough for people to notice that women weren't having children anymore. And, and before the king actually slept with Sarah, God appeared to the king in a dream and explained the situation. He told Abimelech that Sarah was actually Abraham's wife. And if he actually slept with Sarah, God would end his life, that he would be dead. And so that was enough for Abimelech. He not only returned Sarah to her husband right away, but he also gave Abraham sheep and cattle and servants and a thousand pieces of silver for his trouble, which was turned out to be a pretty good deal for Abraham's. I don't think it was very wise of Abraham to do that, but God blessed him anyway. And, then, and, and he told the king told Abraham, you can settle anywhere in my land that you want. You pick any spot in the country that you want to settle down and it's yours. And, God, and so Abraham prayed to God, and it says in Genesis 20, verse 17, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech as well as his wife and female slaves so that they were all able to have children. For the Lord had caused infertility to strike every woman in the household of Abimelech because he took Sarah, Abraham's wife. So that's the one other spot in Scripture where you find God sealing up wombs and preventing women from having children, and it's a punishment. And at least it's a warning, to say the least. And so uh, the, he, the king knew he better not mess around with Abraham's wife. That was a pretty good picture of the fear of God. Abimelech you know, might have lived pretty bad, but at least when God spoke to him, he said, yes, sir, Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. So that was good for his case. But in 1 Samuel, it seems like when we hear about Hannah, it seems like an entirely different story when God closes Hannah's womb because Hannah is a faithful woman. She's a godly woman. So why would God punish her like that? Was God punishing her? What the Bible says about her, Hannah is that she was, she was faithful. She was godly. She, she yearned to be a mother, of course. And she prayed to God to be a mom. That's our scripture for today. So she was praying with all her heart that God would make her a mom. And Hannah, really, she's the kind of person that God looks for in order to bless rather than punish. And Second Chronicles 69 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So He looks for people like Hannah in order to bless, in order to build up, in order to strengthen and make stronger people and stronger characters. So why the infertility? I'm sure that Hannah asked God that many times. I asked God that many times as we were going through our struggles. And but knowing God's character by reading His Word and understanding who He is and having a relationship, we can be sure that God cares about Hannah. No matter what she's going through, no matter what she's missing, God cares about Hannah. So the clear answer would be that God does want to help Hannah. So it's not a punishment. There's something else going on here. And as it turned out, God would help Hannah and, and, and He would help her to become one of the most significant mothers in the Bible. When Hannah was alive, Israel was a nation in crisis. And they had had people doing... Judges 17.6 says, In those days Israel had no king, 
All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. It was a moral playground. And, and there were probably a lot of similarities to our own culture where people just did whatever they want. They didn't care about the consequences or the guilt. Even the priest, Eli, you read about Eli and his sons, they were some kind of bad apples. And you read about some, I won't go through their story, but they weren't the best of priests that there were. So God wanted to change all that. He wanted to turn the whole nation around. He wanted to save Israel and lead them into righteousness. So He was about to bring a judge, one of the last judges. We've gone through the line of judges that God has sent to Israel. So He wants to bring a final judge to turn Israel around. And and in order to raise up a good leader, He needed a good mom. a, A godly mom. So I think that just like Jesus went out into the desert to prepare for His ministry, I think God led Hannah through the desert of infertility to prepare her for her ministry. Because we know, Scripture says that, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And Hannah was called according to God's purpose. And she, by her behavior, showed that she loved the Lord. So God was using her infertility to grow her as a woman. And to prepare her to be a mom. And, and and Hannah was God's choice to train the man that he wanted to shape his nation. And we know that, that God loved her, just because we know God's character. And, and that, you know, all those things that God uses include the pain and the trials and the sufferings and the sorrows that we go through. God can use whatever we go through for good. It might not be feel good at the time, but God can take it and shape it into something that benefits us in the long run. And I think God was building her character. C.S. Lewis once said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but He shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And, And in the midst of Hannah's pain, when she was probably at her lowest, she made a huge commitment to God. In the middle of her barrenness, in the middle of her loss, she committed herself and she committed whatever God would bless her with to the Lord. And that's our Scripture for today. 1 Samuel 1, at verse 9, it says, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, If you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And that was a Nazarite thing. We've talked about that before, where you commit your child to God. You don't cut their hair. You don't give them um, wine or grape juice or any any products of of grapes. So that was a, a Nazarite kind of vow. Verse 12 says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. So the priest is sitting over her and he sees her praying. And her, she says, verse 13 says, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. So she's just praying to herself, but her, her mouth, her lips are mouthing the words. So Eli says in verse 14, Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. 
Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Now right there, that's a picture of faith. First of all, in the midst of her anguish, in the midst of her sorrow, what did she do? Did she whine and mope and complain and say God didn't love her? No, she got on her knees and she prayed. And the more she hurt, the more she prayed. She prayed out of her anguish. And that's a good picture of faith for us. And another thing is, Eli, the priest, he didn't guarantee her a kid. He just said, may God grant what you've requested. And he, she didn't even really say what she was praying for. Eli just said, whatever you're praying for, if you're doing it out of that kind of faith, may God grant your request. And, and, she's, and it says, she went back again to eat and she was no longer sad. Like she trusted in God that whatever he did would be okay. That whatever he decided to, however he decided to answer the prayer, she was going to walk away in faith and she was going to be happy in the Lord. She didn't have a kid yet. She didn't even have promise of a kid. But she had given her heart to God. She had given her anguish to God. She had carried her burdens to the Lord and left them before Him and walked away to live her life in faith, trusting that God cared about her. Trusting that God cared about her prayers. Trusting that God would watch out for her. Well, she has a kid, obviously. She has Samuel. The, the two books, First Samuel and Second Samuel, are Samuel's story. If you want to read about her boy... You could read. The, I'm not going to read the whole story because it'd take forever. But read First and Second Samuel. You can learn about all the things Samuel had. Quite a life. He had an adventurous life. He was a, a priest. Well, he wasn't a priest. He was a judge, and he was a prophet. and And he was the last of the judges. Samuel was the last in a bunch of judges that, that, in the Bible. And ceremonial law required the Jewish law said that every firstborn male must be redeemed. And that comes out of Exodus when God rescued all the Israelites out of Egypt. And he said, you know, kill the lamb and paint your doorposts with the blood because every other household I'm going to kill the firstborn. And he did it not only with kids but with animals. So he said, from now on, every firstborn is mine. Every firstborn male has to be redeemed. So they belong to me. If you want them back, you've got to buy them. You've got to make an offering. And so that was like a five silver shekels sort of thing. You had to bring an offering to the Lord and say, I, I'm paying you for my first child because they really belong to you. And so that was the, the law. Well, Hannah went even beyond that. She said, God, if you give me a son, I won't even redeem him back. He will be yours. You, uh, you know, I will give him to you. You're giving me a, a son and he will belong to you completely. So God not only gave her the desire of her heart, but on top of that, she, he added three sons and two daughters. So she did give her Samuel to the Lord. She, when he was born, she took, her to, took him to the temple and she said, Samuel is going to live here with you guys and I'm going to come visit and, keep, and watch after him, but he's going to belong to God and I want you to raise him in the house of God and I want you to teach him to follow God and I want him to belong to the Lord. She followed through in her promise. When Samuel was born, he grew up in the temple learning God, and, and God spoke to him. It's, there's some really great stories about how God first spoke to little boy Sammy. He's laying in bed, and God calls out his name, and he runs in to wake up Eli. He says, what do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed, and God says, Samuel. And he goes and says, Eli, what do you want? He says, I didn't call you. Next time you hear that voice, you say, it's me, Lord. What do you want? And so God spoke to Samuel, even as he's just a boy, and through his whole life, Samuel served God. He lived for God. And, and so it's this really great story. And, and, and then 
Hannah had more kids besides Samuel. She had sons and daughters. So she had a whole family. So God really blessed her out of her faithfulness. And Samuel turns out to be this, this he's just a real hero of the Old Testament. And, and, and he was the last of the judges of Israel. And he, was the, and he was the first in a long line of prophets who took God's word to the kings and to the leaders of Israel. And in his righteousness, he really did help to guide Israel out of immorality and to help turn them around and help to... to he, he watched Israel become a, a kingdom because they wanted a king, remember? God gave him a king. And so he, he watched that transition. As a matter of fact, he's the one that anoints David. God says, I want you to go and anoint the first king. And so he goes to David's family and he says, show me all the boys. And they, they line up all the boys except for David. And... He, and Samuel goes through, he says, no, not you, not you, not you. Is that it? Aren't there any boys? And so David's dad says, well, there's, there's one more little guy out in the fields. And he says, well, go get him. And so he anoints little David to be the next king of Israel. And so he watches David grow up and he watches David become king. It's a really, it's an amazing job that God gave to Samuel. If you think that parents beam with pride when they talk about their children and they talk about, you know, the great things their kids have done, you know, he's a football player, he's a doctor, he's a astronaut or president or whatever and kids just love to show off their kids and all the things that they've done hannah had a son that god himself compared with moses out of all the people in the bible that god could have chosen from in, in the book of jeremiah in 15 it says then the lord said to me even if moses and samuel stood before me pleading for these people i wouldn't help them so god says out of all the people in before jeremiah's time that he could choose from, he put Moses and Samuel as the highest. Even if these two guys came and talked to me, I still wouldn't, he was telling somebody that they were in trouble. But he was using his two favorites, Moses and Samuel. So Samuel is right up there with, with the patriarch of the people that were led out of Israel. The, the first priest, I mean, he was, wasn't really a priest, but he was the person who led them out. And so there's this, Kind of an amazing story. Mama Hannah had some serious bragging rights, especially in the Jewish kingdom. And she, you know, see that handsome man who anointed the first king of Israel, who's telling all the leaders what they should do and bringing the word of God to the whole nation. That's my boy. And that was that was Hannah's bragging rights. To, and, and, and it all came about because Hannah was a godly woman. And she remained faithful through difficult times. And she remained committed. As a matter of fact, in the midst of her most difficult times, she committed herself all the more to God and committed her son all the more. to Even the son that she didn't have, she said, if you give me a son, he's yours, God. And so there's some pretty obvious lessons that we can all learn from Hannah. Whether you're a mom or not, there's, a, there's some pictures of faith that we can take away from this. Of course, if you're a mom, the best thing you can do is commit yourself to prayer over your kids and over your family and then commit yourself to raising godly kids. All of us can, it can learn that we need to be faithful through whatever happens, good times and bad. And we need to commit ourselves to God. And when things go bad, we need to commit ourselves all the more to God. We need to pray all the more to God and remain faithful, understanding because we know God's Word, we understand that He cares about us, that He loves us, that He does want to bless us, that He wants us to become the best kind of people that we can be. He wants to build us up. His eyes, he searches the whole world looking for people who are committed to him because he wants to strengthen those people. So God, we know God's character and we know God wants to strengthen us. So in the midst of our troubles and trials, we can, we can remember, it doesn't matter what's happening, God loves me and he wants me 
to belong to him and to serve him, and he wants to build me up in that. So I'm going to be faithful through whatever happens. And we can all learn that from Hannah. Um, for, the, for the mothers, if you want your children to make you proud, be like Hannah. If you want your children to make a difference in this world, be like Hannah. If you want your children to grow up to be truly great, be like Hannah. And I don't mean drop your kids off at church and let somebody here raise them. I'm sure that there are some moms who would like to do that sometimes. But it, 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 it means just to live a life of faith. Just to live a life in relationship to the Lord. Trusting Him no matter what. No matter how your kids are. You know, kids can be a headache sometimes. Kids can be a handful a lot of times. But if you live your life in, in trust, in relationship to the Lord, if you commit your heart to God, if you're in prayer constantly, if you obey His commands because you love Him, you do that and you'll be amazed at how God can use you. In the midst of whatever your kids, whatever crazy things your kids might be doing, God can use you in influencing their lives and becoming who the, the men and women that God wants the, them to grow up and to be. I, I came across a, a great story, speaking of difficult situations, and it's not too long, so I'll share it. It's a, a mom. She said, why my lips stay chapped on Mother's Day? So she says, so we have this great cat named Jack. And the kids would carry him around and nothing ever bothered him. He used to hang out and nap all day long on his mat in our bathroom. Well, we have three kids. And at the time of this story, they were four years old, three years old, and one year old. And the middle one is Eli. I thought it was fun to relate it to the story because Eli was a priest. Anyway, Eli really loves chapstick. Loves it. He kept asking to use my chapstick and then losing it. So finally one day I showed him where in the bathroom I keep my chapstick and how he could use it whenever he wanted, but he needed to put it right back in the drawer when he was done. Last year on Mother's Day, we were having a typical rush around and try to get ready for church with everyone crying and carrying on. My two boys are fighting over the toy in the cereal box, and I'm trying to nurse my little one at the same time I'm putting on my makeup. And everything is a mess, and everyone has long forgotten that this is a wonderful day to honor me and the amazing job that is motherhood. We finally have the older one and the baby loaded in the car, and I'm looking for Eli. I've searched everywhere, and I finally round the corner to go into the bathroom, and there was Eli. He was applying my chapstick very carefully to Jack's rear end. (laughs) Eli looked right into my eyes and said, Chapped. Now, if you have a cat, you know that he's right. Their little rear ends do look pretty chapped. And frankly, Jack didn't seem to mind. And the only question to really ask at that point is whether it was the first time Eli had done this to the cats, behind or our hundredth. (laughs) And that is my favorite Mother's Day moment ever because it reminds us that no matter how hard we try to civilize these glorious little creatures, there will always be a day when you realize they've been using your chapstick on the cat's rear end. So not every day is going to be easy. (laughs) And kids aren't always going to be perfectly behaved and little angels. But it's an investment, and it means sacrifice, and it means dealing with some issues. But every day can be turned over to God. Every day, good or bad, can be entrusted and lived by faith, knowing God's character, having faith in who God is because we have His Word, and He tells us about it. And trusting whatever happens to God's wisdom and God's power, like Hannah went and prayed her prayer and left it at the feet of God and walked away happy saying it's God's and he loves me and I'm going to trust him no matter what. We can all do that. As, and mothers can do that when they're dealing with those moments. Every year, 
Hannah would sew a new coat for Samuel. And she would take it to the temple and she'd give him his new little coat because he was growing. And, and she would go with her husband and visit her son and make sure that, that he was doing well. There's no doubt she told him about his story and how she had been childless and how God had blessed her with little Samuel. And, and, and she knew that he would just do great things through Samuel because she already had faith. And, and she surely told him to work hard and learn all he could and to serve God well. I mean, as a mom, I'm sure that she was just pouring that stuff into him every time she went to visit. If you have your kids in your life in any way, I hope that you do this. I pray that you'll do the same. Whether they're kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or neighbors or whatever, that if you've got kids in your life, that that you would share what God has done in you and through you and what God can do in them and through them. And and teach them the, the Bible so that they'll know God's voice. When He calls them into service, like He called little Samuel, teach them to know God's voice. So that when he calls, he'll say, God, what are you, I'm here. I'll serve you. Tell me what you want. And, 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 and to live out, we need to live out a godly example like Hannah did. To show kids our faith in action so that they can model it. And that as they grow old enough to be able to make their own moral choices, that they can say, I want to do just like my mom. I want to be just like mommy because she loves God and she loves me. And, and we need to teach kids that. And 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 the it's this is a treasure builder. I mean, there's no other, there's no better way to build treasure in heaven than to bring up your kids to teach them to be godly, so that they can be part of your treasure in heaven. If if you if you have a mom in your life, and some of us have moms that have passed on, and some of us have moms that are alive, some of us have people who have been like mothers to us. I pray that you'll be a blessing and an encouragement to her. And faithful to the Lord, so that God uh, that that you'll pray for her to be faithful to the Lord, so that God can use her in mighty ways. Ultimately, pray for that guy. He's gonna. <laughs> Ultimately, we all belong to God. The kids belong to God. The moms belong to God. The all the parents, everybody, belongs to God. And Samuel was given to God in, in that much deeper way. I pray that you'd give yourself to God. It's up to each of us to choose whether we're gonna. Put our faith in God or not. And, and, and I hope that Hannah's story helps to give you motivation to commit your, to God with all your heart because there is blessing in it. There is, God wants to help us. He wants to grow us. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. But if we're not connected to Him, He can't do that to us. He can't do that through us. So I pray that Hannah will be a good story to motivate you as you go out into the world today to love the Lord and serve Him and commit to Him in faith through good times and bad. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You do care about us, that we know who You are through Your Word. We know Your character. We know that You love us, that You want to heal us, that You want to take care of us, that You want to bless us in so many ways. And we pray that You would help us to be just the kind of people that You want us to be, to live holy lives, to live lives committed to You, to commit everything that we have and everything that we are, whether it's our our children, our family, our our, our households, our, our money, our jobs, our property, whatever it is, Lord, that we would commit it all to you and use it to serve you so that you can be honored and glorified and that we can build up treasure in your kingdom and help your kingdom to be alive in this world. Lord, we love you. We look forward to everything that you're bringing to us and we leave here today in faith. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.